Today is a special episode because we have a legend on the show. Uh, needs no introduction. What is that in your background, though? But none other than Kadeem Hardison. Talk to me about what is what is that over your shoulder right there? Those are dope. That's, uh, you know, the bad boys. I see. A little Thanos, a little Hulk, a little uh, Bishop. I'm a Marvel, you know, comic geek, so that, that shit dies hard. Man, look, that is, uh, that's the best backdrop I've seen. Look, we're not going to have you walk us through the arc of your career like we usually start off every show because yours has been an iconic one from a different world of school days to this Cosby show. And so I want to give you your flowers and say thank you for representing the culture so well. But talk to us about your first big break in acting and talk to us about the moment you realized that acting was your calling. Uh, I probably was about nine years old when I knew or my mother kind of knew. And then from there, she put me in acting class. Uh, the big break, you know, you could, it depends on what you consider a big break. The first job is the big break because that's a paycheck and confirmation that somebody else believes also. So, uh, you know, it, it could go back to the first time they let me speak on camera, or it could be uh, Dwayne Wayne would have been a big break. Because uh, up until then, I was, you know, still the actor looking for work. Um, so, yeah. So you could, you know, uh, working with Eddie Murphy and Vampire in Brooklyn gave me, uh, you know, uh, so much confidence after that. Uh, I was like, well, I'll, I could quit now because <laughs> I didn't do what I came to do. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, there's, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of breaks and they and they keep happening you know they you know i this show right now moonhaven was a, a big break you know they're they're all big breaks anytime you get a chance to do it and someone you know or, or a group of people because it's usually by committee where they determine who's going to get the job or you know yeah that's a big break before we get to moonhaven though i, I got to talk to you about a different world Talk mm -hmm. about that experience and the cast. And did you feel like at the time you were doing something that would be so iconic for <laughs> Black folk and HBCUs? Did you know what you were doing at the time? Absolutely not. No, nah, I was just trying to get to work on time and keep the job and, and, and you know, and not piss anybody off early in the first two seasons. Then, you know, <laughs> my third, fourth season, I was trying to run it. But, um, but yeah, there was no, you know, there was no direct contact contact with fans or you know with anybody you know liking the show so we pretty much had to go by what the ratings were which were always kind of mythical like oh you have a you have a, a 21 point something or a, a 32 point and that translates to blah 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 but we didn't directly feel that you know what i mean with the internet people can reach right into your pocket and hit you on the hip and be like I feel that, I feel that, I feel that over and over. You see the likes or the follows or the direct comments. It's like fan mail, only they can fan mail you right to your to your phone, to your damn instant access. So yeah, uh, I don't think any of us, any of us really knew that what we were doing was gonna be that important or that iconic. Around the fourth or fifth season, we started hearing numbers about uh, um, enrollment in school, HBU, HBCUs in particular, doubling, tripling, but school period. And, and that, you know, that felt good, but it's, it's nothing like 
going to the store or the gas station and some grandmother stops you and it's like, yo, my baby wanted to be an engineer because of you, or, you know, my baby wanted to go to HBCU or is Hillman real? I wanted to try and go there and <laughs> all kind of things you hear. Those are the things that really kind of <clears throat> let you know the mark you left and, and what it meant to people more so than, you know, we had a, a 17 point something share or 23 point something share in the Nielsen ratings for the week of so-and-so in 1990-something-something. Are you still in touch with the members of a different world cast? And will there ever be a sequel? I see a lot of these reboots out there. And that's the one that most people are waiting on. Too black, too strong. <laughs> I mean, it should have been easy. We can put it, it on BT Plus. Tell, tell Carl yeah. Tyler, we put it on BT Plus. <laughs> <laughs> like, we shouldn't have to say that. There's got to be people out there smarter than the two of us in charge of networks in charge of something that I go, you know what? Back, once upon a time, there was a show that, that was positive and black folks in positive light and da 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 and different, all different types and shapes and colors and sizes and thoughts and ideas. And they just blew the whole, you know, school registration through the roof. Now we need these kids to get back in school or to get interested in something other than, you know, Percocet. Molly Perkins said, you know, I don't know what the kid is doing nowadays, but you know, something else. So let's put on a show about that. So if it hasn't happened yet, I wouldn't say it's grim, but who what's the what's the what's the what's the hold up? <laughs> so anyway, first question, yes, absolutely. I talked to uh Daryl, Cree, Jasmine, Charlie, Dawn regularly as often as possible. Uh Daryl just last week, Cree a few days ago, you know, we always, you know, chatting at something, whether it's on social media, because that's quick and that's the, the new, the new style now, or, or, you know, right to the, the text message. But sometimes somebody will say something about me and Daryl or me and Cree or me and Jazz, and next thing you know, I'll comment that she commented, she and I have a conversation in the comments, and if you, it, it feels like yesterday. Talk about Moonhaven. What is it, and why did you choose to join this project? What stuck out to you? Wow, um, the 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 idea that it presents, the hope that it presents. Um, Moonhaven is um, three a uh, hundred some odd years in the future. Earth is a is is everybody on Earth is fighting for every resource they can get. You know, it's it's uh, it's gone to to the dogs, so to speak, and. Um, hundred years ago, we've decided to colonize the moon. And we have the technology that can carve out 500 acres and create paradise. You send people up there and you have them start living there and then they start amongst themselves working out culture so that they can sustain it. Because immediately we go up there, there's gonna be tribalism, there's gonna be all kinds of things that will break you apart and you'll be fighting for everything just like here but there has to be a culture in place where people look at each other, treat each other, and interact with each other in a way that, you know, uh, can sustain life, you know, uh, and, you know, like with all this beauty without somebody wanting it all. Um, and yeah, I read the script and I just thought, what a, what a, an ambitious take on society. Like, you know, 
where we are now, you know, there's some of that in there and then where we could be had we started over or had a chance to correct all the mistakes we made and, and, and take a different approach. And, uh, and yeah, as soon as I read, I was like, I, I, me, me, ooh, 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 can I be down? Can I be down? Uh, so I play a detective on the moon, which, you know, there's, there's rarely a need for detectives on the moon because there's no crime <laughs> on the moon. So yeah, our approach to being detectives is completely different than, you know, to, to chase them down, tackle them, beat them up detectives that you know, the, the, the Starsky and Hutches and, the, you know, those guys, it's, it's a whole different approach. Um, and I just love the idea that Peter Ako, our, our creator, showrunner, came up with. And, and I couldn't I couldn't fight hard enough to get into this game. You know, it, it's sci-fi. Is this your first sci-fi role? And how different is it preparing for this role relative to, like, roles that ain't sci-fi that you actually yeah, have it, to treat? It is absolutely my first sci-fi. And I just... You know, I've done a whole bunch. I've done some horror and some romantic comedy and some drama and some, some, some a thriller here and there. And you know, I've never done really sci-fi. I've never really gotten a chance to, to live out some sci-fi. And I grew up as a, a lost in space <clears throat> Star Trek kid that always dreamed about that comic books and the Silver Surfer. And so yeah, I've been dying to take my trip into you know, the future or the cosmos. Um, preparing was easy. The script was great. Uh, I really understood that <clears throat> this Moonhaven was started out as my grandfather's work and then was passed on to my father and then passed on to me. So I'm third generation Mooner. So it's not like they pulled me out of Brooklyn and dropped me on the moon and said, I right, get along. And I had to, you know, figure it out. No, this has been my life. This is all I know. So, so letting go of, uh, you know, all the things that we would carry with us as earthers um, was really easy because I understood that, yeah, this is, this is, you know, you have to believe the, the future is better. We are them and they are us. Like there's no difference between the people on the earth and the moon. We're just trying to build this culture to save the earth because the earth is the mother. We're just a fall, a small little 500, you know, uh, mile, square mile joint. The earth is really where it's at. If we, if we live our lives right and then can teach those back home how to live like we live, then we'll save the earth for generations and generations and generations to come. So. Preparation was yeah, listening, to explain it is, listening to you explain it is just like it's kind of palpable, like you can feel it. But talking about talking about Arlo, I mean, because yeah. who what jumped out? I mean, first of all, you did say you're playing a detective on the moon, which I just, it reminds me, it puts me in a space of that Eddie Murphy comedy on the moon when he owned a nightclub. But talk to me about <laughs> yeah, right. Talk, talk to me about what jumped out at you when you read it. Um, wow. Um, Arlo is what you would call true loon. Like he believes 100%. A lot of, you know, we're all humans. So a lot of people on the moon, they, they wanna believe and they know it's their purpose to believe, but there's a, there's a human um, thing in them that fights it, like we all go through. And, but Arlo doesn't have that. He's true loon 
he believes 100% in the mission, in the, in the, um, in his end game. Um, and, and that's what really kind of, you know, I don't have to, that like, there's not that conflict in him, which is great because then I get to show, you know, what I would like you to, what is it? Do unto others as, as, as you would have others do unto you is almost kind of perfect in a way because that's how they live on the moon. And, you know, sometimes they have, you know, semi-rules and stuff that might contradict that or, or cause cause a little, you know, indecision. But being true loon, like once you tell me that Arlo is true, true loon, it's even more exciting because now I get to throw away anything that in my head that could make me go, but wait a minute, I wouldn't do that. Why would I? How could I? It's because true loon, because you believe and you know your purpose. So the most important question of this whole thing is how can people watch Moonhaven and when is it premiering? Uh, AMC Plus. Um, Y'all have to buy you another streaming service. Um, I think the first couple episodes will be on on Amazon Prime. If you got that, uh, I think I was told that. I hope I'm right. Um, But yeah, AMC Plus. Seven seven twenty two, July seventh. That's that's Cree's birthday. Yeah. yeah, you know what? Don't even worry about it though, because we'll we figure that part out and we can edit it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, yeah, it's it's July seventh. I know it's coming out July seventh, um, uh, twenty twenty two. Finally, we we shot in Ireland, which was amazing for four months. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm hoping people find it and dig it because it's uh your passion i mean when people listen to this and if you're doing your whole press run tour with that type of passion about it like you truly believe in it i'm definitely gonna watch an episode yeah yeah no please yeah please watch the first two the first two will give you a good sense of 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 where it's going the first one has a good hook but but the second one gets a little more dense and it kind of start you start to you start to see what's really going on underneath because something is underneath always so I know you're doing Gronish. Is there are there any other projects you can talk to us about about things that's going on where people can catch the um, Are you just still cashing them old checks? Yeah, <laughs> I'm cashing them old ones for sure. But uh, I just did a little in, independent film um, that that was kind of fun. That was a lot of fun actually. That kind of fun, a lot of fun. Called Clear Mind, um, and that's a you know that's one of those things where you do it and you let it go and you wait to see if somebody buys it or if it ends up in a film festival or on streaming or something like that. Clear Mind. Uh, yes, I just did finish the episode of Gronish last week and Moonhaven is here now. So last question, how can people follow you on the socials? I know that you're on the socials now. You got to be. So I, yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. Follow, which... yeah, yeah. Twitter, I do maybe, you know, 30% of the time, 30% of the time, but that's, Kadeem Hardison at on Twitter at Twitter, however it goes, and the same on um, uh, Instagram, which I'm on a little more frequently. But you know, as you get older, that it becomes like a little job. I'm like, ah, I'd be so I'm mad at me because I can't. Yeah, I can't. she'd be like, you don't post right, you don't put your captions right, <laughs> and then she'd be getting mad at me. She's talking about what you out there liking. Why are you liking that? Time? So I just. <laughs> Yeah, because I'm more of a voyeur. I'm more of a watcher. I, I I look at it. I scroll through it. I check out some stuff. I like some stuff, and then I put it down. And like, when when you gonna post something? I'm like, 
I ain't got nothing to say to y'all, everybody, everybody right now. I want to go play some video games and watch some sports. Team Anderson, man. Thank you for joining the Bukari Sellers Podcast. It's been an honor, my brother. Thank you, Bukari. Thank you. Be easy, man. Bye.